0: So you're still there. <laughs> you haven't given up yet. Can't. Signed up. Somebody else is giving me a ride. I'm stuck here. <laughs> You've got my phone. <laughs> So I'm wondering how the uh, how was the afternoon? Because again, I'm I think I'm going to repeat myself, but this is very delicate work we're doing. It it can uh, it can veer off or, you know, crumble easily if. Uh, you know we set we create a container with the the silence with the schedule, you know, and with many things with the code of ethics, and uh, so there's this little particular laboratory or container that we uh, we create and cultivate and it helps us along along so uh, uh, when we open it up like this afternoon I would imagine that for some of us that was really helpful heart opening nature being trusted uh, feeling like I can be more intuitive in the time of walking or sitting or where and connection that is deeper and I would imagine that for some of us whoops Thing went a little, uh, you know, back to the habitual mind, you know, like a little, a little lust there. And so, I mean, it's good. It's trial and error. So I'm happy that we regroup. Today we regrouped at uh, 645 together in the hall. And the community is extremely uh, powerful. It's the it's yeah, it's very helpful, and it's also the biggest hindrance you might find. <laughs> if I was alone here, I would have to negotiate with all these psyches and bodies. And, you know, but, yeah. So, um, yeah, so very delicate work, especially that uh, on this retreat for some reason with temple and... Uh, be because it seemed like when we were reading the sheets, the forms that you filled, that many of you had a lot of experience, you know, and outstandingly actually, you know. And so I don't. It seems like we went uh, deeper, quicker. That's my sense of it in the uh, in the instructions. Although personally, I like to go in the the deep end, quick. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we've been from the get go talking about impermanence. Or, and often on a retreat, it'll come maybe tonight, would be like the time we would start to talk about it, you know. But we started from the get go and to talk about uh, not self, not uh, identification and fusion and how this creates uh, trouble. So, um, Tonight I want to, uh, I don't know exactly what I want. (laughs) I like that, that there's a kind of, I have ideas and a bunch of ideas there and in my mind. But also this thing that we don't know what's coming, it's, in a way it's scary, but in a way also it's the world of creativity, it's the world of liminal space, you know, where things are potential, so... I mean, it's pretty safe in this convention. You don't have to produce much on, for you tonight, you know, like in this convention that you're listening and talking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> For me, it's a little bit more of an edgy place because <laughs> I'm uh, more exposed. But um, I kind of like that we're, we're together and I actually don't know exactly where it's going to go. It's fun. So, um, you know, this, this uh, in Buddhism, this famous uh, trio. Do you have this word in English? Trio? Triad? Tri, trio? Like duet, trio, triad. You know which is the most famous uh, trio in Buddhism? It's the three marks of existence. And so it seemed like it would be fitting to complete that uh, little trio tonight with Anicca, the impermanence, the fluctuating nature of reality, and uh, with Anatta, not self, to talk about uh, Dukkha, Dukkha, the third uh, or first, depending on how it's presented, that create that, uh, the three marks of existence. We say, so the teaching says that Every phenomena has specific characteristics. Some things are gross, some are subtle, some are blue, other are red, some are salty, others sweet, some are pungent, other bitter. (laughs) You know, sometimes you're sitting, other times you're standing. So things have very different qualities to them, different features. But every experience, be heard, tasted, be it heard, tasted, seen, thought, felt, or any other version, has three marks in common, three qualities, characteristics that are universal. And so when we come to retreat, my sense is that we are getting closer to that, we're interested in that. And the arc, as I see it, and I've said this uh, thing before, is we go from our ideas about things and then we connect with the specificity of things. You know, this taste, this step, this temperature. And slowly we start to connect with the universal characteristics of phenomena. Things, it's revealed to us in the, when the mind gets quiet and attuned that things are fleeting, things being experiences, phenomena. They're fleeting. Good idea replaced by a bad one. Uh, Desire dissolves. You know, something seems that it's going to be completely uh, sweet and then we get there and suddenly it doesn't appear like that anymore. Um, We're clear and then we're fugged again. Yeah so things are fleeting for that reason we might in time understand deeply that because they're fleeting they are escaping and they are cannot be owned cannot be appropriated you know so that's the this week it seemed like it's the second characteristic and so uh, the whole of what we're doing here, in my view, is that we're getting close to this. We're, that's what we're interested in. So, not so much that we're amazing at being with breath. Is that we are able to see that the breath, an in-breath, or the beginning of a breath, is not there anymore when we're at the end of the in-breath. You know That everything chops and chops or disappears, escapes us all the time. So nothing can be owned totally because it's escaping. And so if it can't, uh, if it's changing all the time and disappearing all the time, if it can't be owned, then the question becomes, can phenomena, things, experience of the mind, of the heart, of the senses, can these experiences be satisfying? I don't know if I'm going to find it. So the Buddha is in a, We can imagine maybe it's the sun is going down like this. It's maybe not happening on Salt Spring Island. 2,600 years ago maybe on Pender Island <laughs> or Galliano or, or in uh, Gibson or Duncan or Victoria somewhere you Can you imagine the Buddha sitting in the grass by the lake, river, ocean inlet stream <laughs> boon no, is there a word like boon? <laughs> there's such a vocabulary for water events <laughs> but the Buddha sitting there and the sun is going down and he's asking uh, the, f- the friends, the spiritual friends the, 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 the listeners the practitioners like us he's asking so do you think uh, Bhikkhu's bhikkhunis, bhikkhus, practitioners, do you think that uh, this form is constant or inconstant? So the answer (laughs) comes (laughs) inconstant. And so he says, and uh, that which is uh, inconstant, is it easeful or stressful, or is it satisfying, or ultimately unsatisfying? Unsatisfying, I think the answer. And is it fitting to regard what is inconstant, unsatisfying, subject to change, as this is mine, this is myself, this is what I am? No. No do they answer and so the Buddha goes in this classic conversation over every kind of elements or aspects of our experience and says is this constant or you could think is this stable or you could think is this absolutely reliable the body is this absolutely reliable is it no it's not is it absolutely stable no it's not it's hormonal it's tingling it's aching it's digestive it's you know it's it's so many so that's just form the body and so these are the three characteristics there that the in the conversation that are there is this a constant or inconstant ephemeral ephemeral changing is this satisfying that's The subject may be a little bit of tonight. No, it's not. It can't be satisfying. It's good to clarify this, no? Because we put so much, kind of, uh, so much projection, hope, demand, expectation for satisfaction in so many areas of our lives. And so now I'm just taking the body form, this form, you know? Uh, but it could be any other uh, aspects of our lives. And in Buddhism, as you might know, there is uh, a teaching that comes a lot uh, again and again uh, in the classic teaching. It's the teaching, I'll call it like this tonight, and maybe at the end of the talk I'll give you the other uh, usual, maybe uh, translation of the... Of this word, but let's call it the five rivers. The five rivers. So the Buddha seems to be teaching us that in the human experience, there's always five rivers flowing, five types of experiences flowing. Listen to this very, um, in a very relaxed way. Don't try to like completely get this you know it's just impression let let it be impressionistic could, could we do that cuz if we go like okay five i have to get the five and you know <laughs> then then the deeper meaning is not going to land you know like it's going to be more like of an organization of like i need to get this right it's not that that we're after we're after something deeper we're after being touched you know by the fleeting unreliable uh, shaky Changing, unsatisfying nature of the phenomena. Yeah. So, while we're alive, there's always a river. It says, "Don't believe it. Just check for yourself." There's always a river of physicality when we're embodied uh, human beings. It never stops. It it vibrates at the ear door. You know, sound. It's the physicality, materiality of. Sound, You know, this is the physical realm, no sound. I should maybe not have started with sound. (laughs) But, you know, that's the physical world. There's tingling, there's uh, tiredness, there's expansion, contraction, form. The Buddha sometimes very uh, rapidly or briefly to to talk about this aspect of experience, that river, he would say, easy, what is touched by snakes and flies and cold and warmth? You know, so this, this body. So there's always a river of body. Already there's a little shock for us because we think of the body as something solid, no? It's like my, my body. But actually, the more we pay attention, this, it's a river. Like this posture now, if I stand up, wow, I have to do it. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is a whole river. And now, it's rushing in the legs. If I pay attention, this is extreme. This is a river of sensation. The sensations now, it's crazy. If you were at my place right now, you wouldn't believe the sensation (laughs) in the sole of my feet. It's pushing. A few seconds ago, there was none of that. And so now the river has taken this form, and now the river takes (laughs) this. I come from the world of theater, so... But uh, so the form is constantly changing. So it's cold. This morning we were in meetings. Uh, I was anyway in a couple of meetings. It was cold. And then at some point the sun came out and it was warm. So there's a river of physicality that is always happening through the senses. You know, silence followed by some insect, followed by a bird, followed by a, a truck. You know, and so it's alive at the sense doors. It's always alive. So that's one of the rivers. It's constantly changing. Can this be? Is this reliable? Can we absolutely count on this? We can't. Be for satisfaction, can we? We might have a whole program, pay somebody really a lot of money to organize our health. You know, and or all group of people, and have all the pills. And if we have the budget, we'll even go into raw organic non glutenish superfood. You know? And is it is the body going to be reliable? Yes it will. (laughs) No, it won't. And so here we're invited to notice that. Notice the river like nature of that aspect of our experience. And so that's why since the beginning we say, let's pay attention, let's get out of our head and our ideas and our storytelling and tune in to notice how comfort is followed by discomfort. Uh, In the body, ache is followed by maybe release. A tight breath for a few minutes or hours might be followed suddenly by a releasing breath or something like this. So that's one of the rivers. Another one, these rivers are flowing simultaneously in the body. So one other river, it's just a way to make something stand out in the flow of our experience. There's another river that uh, is called the river of feeling tone, of pleasure and displeasure. If you tune just at this level, the experience... During the day, you can do uh, retroactive mindfulness. Think of the day today. Was it a constant flow of pleasure? Was it a constant flow of displeasure? So maybe somebody was yeah. <laughs> even in this, I would think that the displeasure was uh, at some point intense, and at some point even more intense, and at some point maybe it disappeared for a while. I remember on one retreat, I often tell this story. I was um, in deep grief. I was re-grieving, as we do often in this life. We think we've done that process, but suddenly, et voila, again, deeper, in another way. So I was grieving the loss of health that I had had uh, a few years uh, before. And I thought I was okay, but something happened that suddenly... it seemed like I was going through that whole grieving process again and it felt like I had been grieving for a few days, like solid, like heavy, unpleasant, you know, with grief, despair, confusion, desire not to be, not to feel, very strong waves of desire not to to exist, get me out of here, you know. Um, Many, so a lot, a lot of unpleasantness and this, tiny little thread of patience or not giving up for some reason, you know, like almost nothing, but something personal was still hanging on in there. Maybe lack of creativity (laughs) of how to end, you know, or I don't know what, but it was still going. And uh, this is going to be extremely shallow. The punchline is the shallowest thing you'll ever hear so I'm in deep grief and suddenly the bell rings for the meal and I know because I saw going through the kitchen uh, the different uh, colored bell peppers yellow and red and green I know it's pizza day
1: at the retreat center
0: and it's, it's totally crazy, the bell rings and my whole body is just greed it 's just like potential satisfaction of pizza <laughs> and it lasts just maybe a second and a half, you know, but during that time, the feeling tone changed or the the, the emotion completely changed, you know. And so it was not a constant reliable... I could not even rely on my deep grief. <laughs> because it was shaky. I could have an opinion about something else and I would, I would be not so faithful to my grief. You know, I would actually forget it for a few seconds completely to be self-absorbed or greedy or anything else. Maybe, maybe something else. Maybe compassionate. Maybe something else but there was instability in that uh, feeling tone. And uh, here, we're invited to actually tune at that level if we want. We could. We hear in text uh, practitioners, uh, monastics, uh, who would say, oh, I took this on for a number of weeks or months. This was my only field of awareness. Pleasure, displeasure, and neutrality not so much that it was heard or that it was felt or that it was taught, just the experience itself, that that kind of uh, particular coating, maybe I could say, that uh, is on top or around or events, phenomena, right? One uh, uh, revered um, uh, teacher from this tradition, Lady Sayada, would say, when there is a contact, between uh, a sense door and a sense object, when there's a contact between a sound and the ear, or a visual thing and the eye, when there's a contact, it's almost like if it was creating a little juice, you know, you press when there's contact, you press, and this juice that comes, that's the pleasure aspect or displeasure aspect of experience or neutral. And so today, as you feel sensations. And the rest of the week tonight you could tune in just that that level there's always a river of that happening it's neutral often Mm -hmm. we'll go crazy when it's neutral nothing's happening what's wrong with me i'm doing this wrong or you blame others or we freak out in some way you know because it's neutral it's uh, unsustainable for us unbearable when it's unpleasant it's also unbearable and when it's pleasant also it's unbearable because we want more, we want to control, we want to make sure we secure that pleasure, you know. And we get defensive. And The Buddha used, uh, the image he used to talk about that aspect of life is the, the bubble. He said our pleasures and displeasures are like little bubbles. Like when it rains, when there's a puddle, when the drop of rain falls, it creates a little bubble. Just for a moment, have you seen this? Little bubbles at the surface of the water. It says, our pleasure and displeasure is like this. You know, one pleasant thought followed by a worried thought, followed by, and it it bubbles like this. Our bubbles, friends, bhikkhus, bhikkhunis, our bubbles stable, our bubbles reliable, can you own bubbles?
1: <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> so, I don't know if I went through the three marks, but that was the intent, you know. Is that constant? No. Is that, can that be owned? No. Is that reliable? Can it satisfied completely forever, one of these bubbles? No. Because it's bubble-like. And that's why we pay attention here, because a lot of our dominant society or culture is trying to make us believe that we're going to secure our happiness that there's going to be something stable in buying a car that everybody can scratch knock steal you know (laughs) so we just bursted that bubble (laughs) and so there's a river of sensations there's a river, maybe a little bit more subtle, of pleasure, displeasure that is running. There's a river of that. It's incessant. You know, and when you're eating you can or when you're just in line for food, suddenly you see in the distance the mandalic salad, you know, with all the little flowers and stuff. And it's pleasant to look at, but far away you discover and so your bubble of pleasure is followed by a bubble of displeasure, because I'm separated from the salad by five or six people, or 25. And so this river is running all the time. You know, you I don't know, Pascal says something, makes me laugh, it's pleasurable, and then... I get a little lost, or he says something that is not so pleasurable. And then, whoops! I did this car. I can't have enough of being here. It was fun. <laughs> Ten seconds ago, but that, that's enough now. You know, and so the emotional life is moving, and so is the pleasure life. It's kind of attached to it. It's running with it, the, that river. Yeah. And so the teaching in that is of the three marks again. That it can't bring satisfaction. In and of itself, it's not in the pleasure that it's going to be there, you know. Damadina, at the time of the Buddha, there was one uh, nun, very uh, respected. There's a few of the monks and nuns who had titles, and I can't remember, but it it was always the starting with uh, foremost in wisdom, foremost in compassion, foremost in understanding, foremost in concentration, something like this. Damadina was foremost in something.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: memory bikuni is because is it reliable
1: <laughs>
0: can it be yours can you make it exactly. yours if you identify with it will you suffer or not you know? if I'm identified with, I identify with with memory I, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long road <laughs> you know but I can notice oh look at that unreliable memory so anyway, Damadina, she says, something, she says many things about, um, about uh, the feeling tone that are, I think, extremely deep. And one of the things that I, she says to her ex-husband, by the way, that she meets in the forest, and he says, teach me about uh, Vedana, about feeling tone. And she says many things, but one of the things she says is, uh, she said, when uh, something pleasant ends, it's unpleasant. When something unpleasant ends, it's pleasant. That's the, the deep thing <laughs> that I promised. It's pretty deep, you know, because we're blind to that often. You know, we move, move Damadina away, you know. I'm going for that pleasure and it's going to be satisfying. I don't want to hear what she has to say, you know. Because this is really going to do it. This person, this situation, this job, this whatever it is, you know. And here we're the job we're doing is a job of sobering, sobering. It's kind of it looks like bad news, you know. It's actually it's so funny that it would be taught in terms of liberating, disentangling the tangle to create uh, the words that are used about these three marks of existence is that they're, they create disenchantment. And it can feel, in a way like this, like, wow, that's... You're telling me that everything, nothing is going to be satisfying completely. The disenchantment is to, it's to dis, dispel, spell, a spell. That's I, I, probably not the meaning in English, To dispel, yeah? yeah? To remove the spell. We're under the spell, that this over there. Is going to be satisfying, you know. And this teaching is saying it actually is not, honey. It's not. It's not going to be satisfying. It can't. It's not in its nature to do that. Can you be okay with that? Can you take this in? It's going to be helpful for you to know that, you know. Then you can go in with all your heart. You can go in with all your presence, with all your love, with all your care. But you're not going to be going in with all your foolishness or craziness of thinking that this is going to provide. And after starting to blame the thing, or the other, or yourself, or some God, that by the way doesn't exist, in this philosophy at least. You know? In this uh, reality, everything we experience cannot provide complete satisfaction. It can't. It's too unstable, unreliable, and conditional. All these that I'm describing, the form, the feeling tone, they depend on something else. It depends on something else, you know. To have a good evening, it depends on my mood, my body, the weather, what the silent yogis do or don't do you know it's very it depends on so many things that i can't actually control so we're learning to be in the middle of this to have a heart that has uh, that is sober that can meet reality in its own terms not in my terms you know so that river too of uh, pleasantness and unpleasantness is changing, is unreliable, and cannot be owned. My pleasure is not mine. It happens to be there. And it will happen to go. I'm not gonna be able to do the five five rivers. Failure is often followed by success. (laughs) (laughs) It's just another river It doesn't have its own name Okay, so just another one of the river that are happening Just if it intrigues you So again, this one, if you don't get it It's kind of like too much Tonight, let it go Let it flow by It's flowing anyway so there's a river, as we're sitting here, there's the river of physicality, huh? it's been going on. The hardening maybe is happening, and the, and the pleasure and displeasure is probably really much alive as you're listening to this uh, teaching. There's another river, it's the river of perceptions. So as you're sitting here listening, what I'm saying is transformed into meaning. Huh? You're not just hearing It's not like this. There's vibration at the ear door. This keeps going, that river flows. There's silence and high tones and low tones. And it's some things are pleasant to hear and others maybe not. And all this vibration is organized. So in human beings, there's organization happening all the time. So if you just look around the room, you'll see that it's impossible for you not to organize reality. You see people, this one, that one, maybe male, female, collars, cushions, chairs. It's, it's not possible to... And it's good. It's a good thing, no? That it organizes. So there's a river of organizing all the time. And uh, as in the story of the kangaroo turning into a deer, <laughs> we'll notice with... An attention that uh, becomes more stable, and we're going from more and the more and more subtle here, huh? the body, the pleasure, displeasure, and now the perception is very subtle. It's changing all the time. It's also another river that is changing. So things, you know, you, maybe at some point you were sitting here and like, oh, I love Pascal's talk, and now you're sitting here, and it appears like Pascal's talks are the worst <laughs> talk. Who knows? You know, like things are changing forms in this way, you know? And so the sense of self, the sense of us, you know, you might have come here at some point and think, we're all friends, we're all one, it's great. And then suddenly you're like, yeah, but not this one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're all fit here, but not that one, you know? Or not these two, or not, you know? And so suddenly like the perceptions are changing. And later maybe because of a mood, often it it is because of a mood, suddenly you're like, oh, but they're not so bad. (laughs) They mean well, you know, and they appear differently, the same person, or the future in despair appears a certain way. And the future in hope and joy and lighthearted appears a different way. And so the Buddha is teaching us to be attentive to the flow, the river of perceptions, uh, things are uh, changing all the time. You might have thought you had the best spot for your tent. I got the best spot. And did you find later that actually that other spot would have been the good spot? <laughs> you know? Things appeared in a way and then they shift. And uh, with practice here, what we do is uh, learn- mindfulness is actually playing a lot with perception. It's actually clearing perceptions. Because we have a lot of false perception. Perception of solidity, uh, satisfaction. Perception of me, mine, I, mine, belongs to me, I own, you know. And the more we pay attention, our perceptions are corrected with mindfulness. That's the point of the Dharma, is to clear perceptions. And so that we begin to say, oh, see that things can't actually provide completely they're ephemeral they appear and disappear they're unreliable maybe we knew that and it's getting confirmed and we discover that maybe we're not exactly who we thought we were that we're more courageous than we thought we were that uh, courage shows up and it's not mine but it does show up in this being you know the perception perception that I'm separate might fall a little bit uh, away in nature, and suddenly I might have a sense that I actually am nature, you know for just a little some moment, a switch of perception, I felt like there's me and this, and suddenly this oh for a little fleeting moment or a few minutes, the sense that it 's not that separate it 's a little bit more porous, that I belong to the environment, that I'm touching it and touched by it that there's something happening there. And that is also changing and cannot be uh, completely owned. It's just natural. In human beings, this river is flowing in everybody right now. Everybody's making sense of what I'm saying and probably a little bit of their own sense, you know? And uh, our teachers have said that and we say that also. Like some, sometimes people come to see us, see you, and they say, oh, you remember when you said that? You cannot possibly have said that. That's not my, it's never been my understanding. You know, or sometimes, oh, it has been my, but people, you know, we understand the world through our perceptions. And this is a river. It's changing. And so we can attune to that here and uh, see, uh, allow perceptions to be what they are. This has a lot of uh, gracefulness to it when we can allow um, ourselves to have impressions. My impression is that, ding, ding, ding. And to actually have enough consciousness to know that it's an impression, you know? And go check a little bit further and allow a little time for the perception to change and maybe clarify. And often we take our perceptions to be real The image that the Buddha use is the image of the mirage. He says, perceptions are like mirage. It appears a certain way. I appear of having no value, or much more value, than other beings around me. Perception, can that be recognized as such? Mm -hmm. Just, it's not a statement of reality. But maybe just a statement that perception is in action. You know, that there is perception happening. There's another river flowing in us all the time. It's the river of... Um, there's several ways to present this, but tonight I'll present this as the river of intentions. Intentions. Like right now, for many of you, I can see this as I'm looking, for many of you, there's the intention to understand, to hear. So the way the the head is, or the body language, or the eyes, or the way we can feel the ear is listening. So can you feel that in, inside of you? So it's not so much the sensations, it's not so much the pleasure you're having right now, it's not what you're perceiving, but it's a little mental factor that well, Hold on, what is he saying? What what is I want to catch that? You know, there's a little something that is at play. And sometimes it's something else. It's the intention to write. You know, so the it takes intention for the hand to move on the paper. As soon as the intention stops, the hand stops. If you if you want to play with this, just take your hand and move it like this in the air. If you do this like that. There's an intention. There's a physicality with it. There's some sensations. It might be pleasant or unpleasant. But there's an intention to it. It's a mental event. In human beings, there's always an intention that is uh, at play. That is, And here, in this practice, we're invited to become aware of this. The intention to stand up. The intention to turn. The intention... So to, it's a whole field, we could spend a whole month on that, just being, becoming aware of intentions. It's a very rich field, because often, what will make us say what we say is an intention, and sometimes an intention is cruel, and sometimes it's caring. Sometimes it's neutral, it's ethically, neither one or the other, but intention is at play. So there's this river always happening, and often we equate our intention. This was my my intention was this, and the outcome is not that. And then we it seems like our, something failed. You know, but intention cannot provide complete satisfaction. That's another of the teachings. It cannot. It's. It, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. But it doesn't ensure the outcome. It's extremely important. And also maybe one extremely interesting aspect wow intention often we really identify with this one do you see what i mean the sensations of the body come and go they're not really mine i agree with that they come and they go i can see that the feeling tone pleasure displeasure i can agree with that it comes and goes The perception, okay, I can understand that, that I'm kind of victims of perceptions, you know, or they happen to me, you know, so it's not exactly me. But I'm the one who decides to listen or not listen, or to stand up or to go to eat or to go to the yoga at that time or at that time. Do you see that? We we take this very, very personally. The practice goes so far that a quiet mind apparently can discover... That intention is not that personal. It's conditioned. In the yoga, I think it's a really good way to explore this. In the yoga, if you do it, it could be anywhere else, but I'm just thinking that's a good place, because in the yoga, you're in a posture like this, let's say, and suddenly you have the intention to do something really strange with your arms, like something like this. <laughs> you know, And it seems like it's your intention, but if you really Attuned, you'll see that the intention was born out of somebody saying, oh, maybe we could twist our arms in a really strange way. And suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, it's my, I'm going to do it, you know. Is it that personal? Or in eating, I like that. If there is hunger, there's a fork, and there is broccoli, the intention to bring the fork towards the mouth is probably going to arise. Mm-hmm. And you might think, I'm bringing my fork to my mouth. (laughs) But on a deeper look, you might discover that it's something else that is intending. Hunger, conditioning. And I put us, uh, give us the challenge to actually become really quiet for the rest of the week and check this out. What is making us do what we do? You know, earlier this week I said that, I said, you're about to stand up, you know, check who's going to lead the show here. Is it you? Like what? Sometimes it's like avoidance will make us do something, much more than we. Or honesty will make us say something. It's good to become aware of intentions because they make us do or not do things and say and not say things. And it's interesting to watch. Even thoughts are known to be intentional. So we can see there's always a river of intention. And so thoughts are intentional. They, they come, it's, it's interesting to watch. Is it often I feel like I'm, I'm not intending to, to think. It's proving me that I'm not at the center of, of it all. You know That agitation is intending to tell this story again. Or proliferate on that little theme that I just picked up, you know. And so to check this out, intention, intention. There's one river left. So all these rivers, again, the three marks of them: they're not that personal, they're not constant, they're changing and they can't totally satisfy The last one is the last hideout of the self. It's consciousness, another river that is flowing, moments of consciousness. There are, do you you agree with these rivers? Do you recognize there's a river of sensation? It keeps going as we're talking. There's a river of uh, pleasure, displeasure, and neutrality. And now you might be like, yeah, yeah, no, it's really displeasurable, so... (laughs) Finish your thing Ring the bell Close the mics (laughs) Move on (laughs) And so There's this river flowing The river of perceptions Because you keep making sense Some sense of what is said You know The world keeps being organized Even if you want to stop it It won't stop It will keep organizing the world That's there And there's the intentions Intention to listen Or not to listen Or to find comfort in the body Or to you know uh, yeah, hold on keep going something like this and the last river is the river of consciousness so there's moments of consciousness that are following each other you can't stop this it just happens no there's, things are being revealed sounds or light is being revealed sensations are being revealed they they are known and this often we say, wow, I'm, this is me, this, I'm the witness in the middle of it all, you know, like this intelligence, this vividness. I don't know how to call it exactly, this river of consciousness. I make it very personal, this is me, and this is what I fear for in terms of death. Because what's going to happen if I'm identified with something in there, I'm going to project it in the future. And that's scary. What's going to happen to it? And in this here, in deep practice, maybe over decades, great dedication, but maybe spontaneously, if you're lucky, like Hecatolly, Eckhart Tolle, yeah, you happen to sit on the right bench at the right time somewhere, (laughs) and suddenly that gets clarified for you—that you're not the consciousness; that there is a knowing that is happening, and that. It was just this slight little mistake that we made it personal. It's moi in there. And maybe with some quiet mind, some attentions, a little investigation, just the right amount, not the amount that thinks a lot about stuff, investigation that is silent and attuned. Maybe we could discover that this is a river one of the ways that we discovered this is by breaking it into pieces so the consciousness of you coming to sit here tonight that moment of consciousness where is it was that you if it was you where are you it's gone you know so that river of consciousness apparently is not personal Either So all these rivers are flowing, and at different time in our practice we'll notice one or the other. and we're called, we're invited to notice if it's stable or unstable, if it's uh, satisfying or unsatisfying, and uh, if it uh, can be owned or not. Don't conclude anything. But check it out. Check it out. All this in service of liberation. Liberation means the heart opening. The heart relaxing. The fear letting go of it. So that the heart can become naturally friendly, loving, responsive, caring, honest, compassionate. so that we're not, like, tied, scared, trying to control fear, be perceived in some way. We can actually totally relax into this and allow for the turbulences of the rivers, for, the, for everything that these rivers, you know, every form they take, every intensity or calm that they encounter... I think it's going to finish like this. It's not not a big punch, but uh, like emotional release and humor or something. I think I have a belief somewhere that it should be like that. Trying to release it gently. So again... If parts of this seemed irrelevant or ununderstandable, totally fine. You can Google search later and get even more confused. <laughs> but just stay in the field that is rich for you. Just stay uh, attentive, delicate, dedicated to the field that is uh, alive for you. And be careful that it's not too much in the thinking mind, that it's not too much thinking about it, but try to tend towards experiencing uh, whatever is there that is in your field. Okay? Let's sit for just a moment here. You might notice one of the rivers flowing, being alive. The river of sensations. The river of pleasure or displeasure or neutrality. Of the, or the river of intending to be attentive, intending to be mindful. the stream of consciousness the river of knowing that reveals every cricket sound might notice the river of uh, perception, how your mind keeps organizing, this is breath, this is car. doesn't think so much, but it perceives as a sense that this is hand tingling, this is night coming. we learn to live gracefully in the middle of these rivers sometimes turbulent sometimes quiet may we be able to give them back to nature not own them try to Make them ours, but let nature do its thing. Thank you for your attention, your sustained attention on these uh, five aggregates. Um, now, if you want to, you could uh, you know, refresh yourself outside, do some walking, but there's also uh, a fire that Nicola started for us um, close to the barn there. So you could uh, stand there or grab a chair or come by and watch the... The fire element tonight and uh, let the mind experience maybe some kind of ease and respite and uh, notice the different rivers happening and we'll do the last uh, sit over there if you want. you can come here, but uh, we'll be over there..
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes.
0: Uh, for the sit. Yes. Ring the si- ring the bell and then
1: uh, go up to find if you choose
0: so after the assets. Yeah, uh, but here at the end of the evening at uh, the sit from nine to nine thirty, there won't be a bell being rung. So if, it, if you come and sit and it seems like it's going on forever, <laughs> you can trust your perceptions. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.